Welcome to Chip Chat, an interview series that connects you with technology experts around the issues that industry is focused on today. And now your host, Allison Klein. Welcome back to Chip Chat Live from the Intel Developer Forum in San Francisco. I'm Allison Klein. I'm excited about our next guest, Brian David Johnson, Intel's futurist. He's been on the program before. Welcome, Brian. Thank you, Allison. It's good to be back. So, Brian, you brought a, a celebrity guest with you this I time. I did. I brought a guest this time. I brought uh, Matt Trossen, and Matt is from Trossen Robotics, and we've been working together on the 21st Century Robot Project. Welcome, Matt. Yes, thank you for having me. First time chip chat guest, that's always an exciting thing for me. Um, today's topic, robotics, you know, you've been doing a ton on robotics and, and you know, there's been a lot of news about what Intel's been doing in this space, but you know, the question that I wanted to ask you, Brian, because we've known each other a long time, is why robotics and why did you focus on this as a really interesting development platform? So the 21st Century Robot Project really started off about 10 years ago. You know, as, as my role as a futurist was really thinking, what would it be like to act and interact with robots 10 years from now? Mm -hmm. And we really kind of thought of robotics as kind of the next step in computing. So, and really kind of social computing. So what would it be like to act and interact with robots? And for about eight years, I worked on it in science fiction. So I wrote science fiction stories, and we talked about this before in previous shows, science fiction stories based on this research to kind of figure out what would it be like. But about two years ago, with open source hardware, open source software, and 3D printing, we realized we could actually start building these robots. And that's really what kind of launched this. It's kind of how I met Matt and the great folks at Trossen Robotics. But the idea for Intel was that it's about computing. So these robots and Jimmy, which is kind of the most famous and really the first of the 21st century robots, was really kind of like a smartphone with legs, right? He's, mm -hmm. kind of, he's driven by apps and you can customize them that your robot would be different than my robot. But the idea is that he's not standalone is that the robots connect to other devices. They connect to smartphones, they connect to tablets, they connect to two-in-ones, and most importantly, they connect to the cloud. And really for us, it's that ecosystem of all those different computational devices is what gets us really exciting. It's the thing that when Matt and I talk about it, he says, because Matt's been in robotics for a very long time, that this could be the thing that changes it. This could be the thing that brings robotics closer into the mainstream. And Matt, you're kind of living every kid's dream in that you're building robots for a living and you brought a guest with you. Do you want to tell us what's on the table here? Sure. What's in front of you is a humanoid endoskeleton, and he's called HROS1, and he is what's it's a inside a catchy little of, name. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the Jimmy name is more well-known, and that's the actual character, the skinning of the robot. And like Brian said, the idea is to get into 3D printing so that you can print your own robots to your own personalities. Every robot should have a name. So we brought this to show. Obviously, people can't see it at home. They can check it out on the website afterwards or, or stuff from the show. So our role at Trust Robotics is we've been building robots for 10 years, and in the past, we wanted to build PC-based robotics and use high-level processors, but it was really difficult because they were extremely uh, energy inefficient, mm -hmm. and we were actually using things like motorcycle batteries at the time to power anything that had PC-based on there in order to have high-level languages, have abstraction, and allow people that do um, computer programming build robots. And now with things like the Nook, the iCore 5, the Intel Edison, we can put them on small mobile robots. So basically what's sitting on our table at Chip Chat is Naked Jimmy, I think is, is what <laughs> yeah. you're saying. And uh, you know, to bring this uh, home to folks who are listening online, um, what I see is a lot of connection points and one very tiny 
board that appears to be running the robot. Is that Edison? Right. So this version is powered by Intel Edison. And really, it was the the features that Edison brings, that Intel Edison brings, made this robot possible. Two years ago, this robot could have never been made. And it's really the fact that it has Bluetooth and Wi-Fi, the form factor, the power needs, that allowed us to create an affordable robot. So the first robot that we created in our collaboration was based on a Core i5. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was basically a desktop with legs, an incredibly powerful computer kind of the fastest computationally, and actually he's really fast physically, like he can move really fast, but that robot costs $16,000, and you can can buy that from Mm Trawson. But then bringing in Intel Edison and letting us do another round of engineering allowed us to do a 10x cost reduction. So you can now buy this on the Trawson website for $1,600. Wow, that brings it to a lot of folks who want to print out their own robots, engage in this really exciting field. What kind of imagination do you see spurred when you put this platform in front of somebody? Well, I think what what's interesting about this is that it's allowing a new generation of developers get into robotics. And we don't know what they'll do with it. The people, everyone has their own goals. Some might want to make a beer delivery robot. Some might want to make something social to interact with their kids. Um, it's used a lot in education so that you can teach kids things about STEM technology, mm-hmm. science, technology, engineering, mathematics, uh, things of that nature. When Brian goes out and interviews kids, they think of things, now when we talk really young kids, not engineers yet, but people that, that describe what they want, they're, they're extremely creative and they think of things that we usually don't associate with robots. So they come up with, you know, we got super, super power rangers with, with cloaks and things of that nature and they want entertainment, they want, they want interaction at that level. And that's one interesting thing about robotics is that people, you know, it brings humanity into our technology. Yeah, these kids just come up with these amazing ideas like, I want my robot to sing with me. Mm-hmm. Like they want to write an app so that they can sing songs with their robot. Or I want my robot to tell me jokes. And so as we've been developing it, we've been letting students and really young students, so all the way as young as sometimes six or 10 years old, kind of tell us if they could build a robot, what would they have their robot do? That's always our question. Like, what's your robot's name? Because every robot has a name because every robot's an individual because it's built by an individual. And then what would your robot do that nobody else's would do? And we're trying to kind of make a platform, both a hardware and a software platform and an ecosystem of providers that can say, Anybody should be able to build a robot. Just like anybody should be able to program a smartphone or a tablet and be able to play with it, anybody should be able to build and customize a robot. Now I've got some questions for you, Brian, because I've been hearing some rumors about Jimmy. Now does does Jimmy have a blue badge? Jimmy does have a blue badge, actually. When we um, brought Jimmy out for the first time, one of Jimmy's biggest fans is Intel CEO Brian Krasanich. And Brian has always been a big fan. He's a maker all the way down to his core. And he builds with his family. And he's always been a huge supporter of this. And so early on, when we were showing him off internally, we said, well, he should have a badge. And so he actually has his own badge with his picture on it. It's actually a real Intel badge. And I heard that Jimmy is allowed to fly first class when he travels. (laughs) So the very first Jimmy, so the first Jimmy that we created was one of a kind. Mm -hmm. It's actually here at IDF, at the Intel Labs Pavilion. He is one of a kind. And he was very special. And we had to fly him around because he was doing these appearances, and mainly he was doing appearances with our CEO. And so he would fly to Southern California to go on stage with the CEO, and you can't really pack him because it can't break. He's one of a kind. Right. So you have to take him on. 
but you can't buy him a seat because he's an electronic, so you can't strap him in. He's big enough that you could strap him in, so he actually has to go in the overhead. Mm -hmm. Well, any of us who've ever flown in coach class, there's no room in the overhead and he'd get smashed. So we actually had to have um, Andrew Alter, who's the lead uh, engineer at Trossen Robotics, would fly with Jimmy. And Jimmy is about the size of a small child, so we would carry him through the airport and then actually put him up in the overhead bin and work with the flight attendants and the flight crew. They'd actually make a little bed yeah, for him. put blankets up there. And we've often joked about um, having Andrew, getting him a, is it Bjorn? A baby, a baby Bjorn. Carrier? Oh, nice. <laughs> so that you can carry him as we walk through. And Andrew is a 6'4 guy, uh, big beard and tattoos. And so he attracts enough attention. But you have that walking around with a cute robot and heads are turning left and right. And we, we can't walk through an airport without being stopped 10 times. I think there's a future collaboration opportunity with Boeing to uh, generate some Jimmy-friendly uh, plane designs and works. <laughs> but, you know, you did say that that was one of a kind, and, and we're working on scale and, and the ability to bring this design to makers all over the world. Matt, where do you see this going in the next few years in terms of the types of things that you're expecting people to embrace with the technology and, and what you guys are bringing out to market? Right. So the goal with this project is to get it into more hands of more makers, more developers. And the thing that I've always said at our company is our goal is to help other people innovate, is mm -hmm. to give them the tools they need so that they can get moving quicker and faster. And the problem with robotics historically has been that People want to give something life, they want to get into AI, they want to give it, you know, make it interactive, make it intelligent, but they spend the first 6, 12, 18 months building the actual robot, building the motors, learning how to control the motors, um, learning how to do uh, odometry, you know, teaching it to walk, things of that nature, and spend too much money and too much time doing that. What we're doing is giving people ready-to-go platforms where all of the low-level functions and all the plumbing, so how to walk, how to talk, how to navigate around the room, things like that are going to start getting solved for them so they can give it life right out of the box. So people are standing on each other's shoulders then at that point. So uh, a good corollary is that it's like computers in the 70s, where back then everybody was building computers from scratch and nobody was standing on top of each other's shoulders until you had some standards start evolving. So having some of these open source standards that out there that people can use and have to be modular allows it to now tap into a bigger brain trust. So having, um, working with Intel and the XDK uh, allows this to be programmed for many different languages and now allows, with the, the connectivity that the Edison offers with Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, allows you to start taking the processing off the robot and put it in things like apps and smartphones and, and tablets. And you can get tablets now for 150 bucks and all of the new generation that's coming up is writing apps. And you can write apps in HTML5 now even to talk to your robot and make it do stuff. So you're putting it out there and now we'll have millions of developers that can get into robotics. You know, I don't think we'll sell a million, but we're gonna definitely sell a lot. And you're gonna have that many people out there who can start programming on it. And robotics has never really reached that far before. So Brian, you know, I know that you're teaching a class later today on actual programming. Yep. Why don't you tell me about what that class is about? And then, you know, the question that I have for you that came into my mind is you're talking about these kids who want to teach their robot how to sing with them. Should we start teaching programming in elementary schools to enable this this type of stuff to happen? Where do you see this going? Well, just let me say yes. So we'll go back to that. But yes, that is incredibly important because when you see these young minds light up, when they see the robot and you tell them that they can build a robot and that anybody can build a robot, their eyes and their imagination and their ingenuity just lights up. 
And so I think it is incredibly, incredibly important. But first, the class. So the class, as, as Matt mentioned, we have an XDK. Um, it's an XDK from Intel that allows people to author these apps in HTML5 and then be able to export them to the robot. So it is today at uh, 4 to 5 on, in room 206. And it's literally, I think it's called Writing Apps for Robots, that we're going to have some folks from Trossen, myself, some folks from the software group here at Intel are all going to be there. And we're gonna, you can download the uh, XDK now. Um, and then also later on this year, we're going to launch some mods for the robots and then also launch an app store so that you can actually go and post your apps and start sharing apps. Because that's really the idea. Just as, uh, just as Matt said, is that if you think about the PC revolution, there was this hurdle to get over when it came to hardware. Right. And the moment it turned to software, the moment it became about data and the experience, things exploded. And that's really what we're trying to do, is actually get it to the point so we can get more people writing software that they're sharing amongst each other and actually having an app store. Because we really want people to write silly apps. Right? We right. want people to write dumb, funny software that then you can have your, so your robot do silly things. That's where we always get that innovation from kids. Is we, that's where the really, really genius ideas come from, is from the silly ideas. And that's really the, the goal of the project. And getting back to the second part of your question is the whole project itself and, and the book. I, we've written a book about this whole thing. It, it's called 21st Century Robot. It's coming out later this year from Make Magazine. And the dedication of that project and the book is to anybody born after the year 2014. And the reason why we did that is we thought to ourselves, well, we have an entire generation now that has never known a time when there wasn't the internet. Right. They've never known a time when they couldn't walk up to a screen, ask that screen for something and get something from it. And the things that that generation comes up with, the innovation is amazing. They are unencumbered by the past. So if we get this project right, the reason why we dedicated the project to anybody born after 2014 is that if we get this right, that will be the first generation that has never known a time when you couldn't imagine, design, and build your own robot. Imagine a time 10 years from now when robots are as ubiquitous as the internet. And that's where I was thinking when you, were, you started talking is, you know, we can think about all the silly apps, but then when you imagine where this can go and the ubiquity of robotics in everyday life, there's an amazing opportunity for delivery of technology. And I think there's a huge business opportunity. I mean, not to keep going back to business, but that's where innovation comes from, right? It, you have a bunch of people, usually in dorm rooms, coming up with really dumb ideas, really silly ideas, and it's a really dumb idea until somebody realizes it's genius. Right. Facebook, Twitter. You've got all these examples of amazing services that people came up with because they were just playing around, and you have to have those platforms in place to enable that next generation. Yeah, and to put robotics in perspective in terms of, you know, human evolution with technology is that if you think back about, um, you know, we had uh, the steam engine, the gas engine, and the electric motor all came out, the Industrial Revolution happened. That was all automation of, of manual labor. And that's, you know, allowed us to start plowing larger fields and building bigger buildings and moving larger amounts of things around. Then computers came out, and that basically automated intellectual work. Mm -hmm. And it did it separately. Robotics is about merging those two things together. Two of the largest things that have impacted humanity and improved life on planet Earth combined is robotics. And so people think about robotics right now, they think of industrial robotics, it's just machinery inside of big buildings that are building all of everything that we use, from cars right. to microwaves to our clothes. And so mobile robotics that are smart and have AI and can do intellectual thinking as well is the next step forward that will basically automate more of our work for us. And that was the, the final question that I wanted to get to is, you know, where does artificial intelligence come into this? And do we see 
a future where robots are thinking for themselves. Well, I think you have to define thinking for themselves. Is, is secretly, is that the question, when are the robots going to rise up and take over? Well, you know, we talk about that in the data center around automation of workloads, too. But I think we have to define intelligence. That's a tricky thing. Is usually when people talk about AI and artificial intelligence, they're actually talking about human intelligence. right? When do we get to that point? Where there's so many other types of artificial intelligence. I mean, if you've flown in a plane recently, artificial intelligence has helped to get you there safely. If you've bought a book, artificial intelligence has helped. And the moment artificial intelligence kind of becomes common, everybody kind of forgets about it, and we kind of want to move to the next step. It's already on all your smartphones. Anytime you want to search for something, Google's helping you out. It's, uh, you know, guessing what you're looking for ahead of time. Is it food? Is it a restaurant? Is it a taxi? Things like that nature. And like Brian was saying earlier, the fact that we're now tapping into smartphones and, and the Wi-Fi and the Bluetooth on these robots, you're tapping into the stuff that's on the cloud, the AI that's already out there that we're right. already used to. Well, I think for me, that brings it back to character and story. That's why we have this 21st century robot project, but the kind of the lead person everybody hears about or the lead robot is Jimmy. Everybody hears about Jimmy because Jimmy's a character and he's got a personality and he's got sort of a history and a background. And when people meet him, they say, oh, it's Jimmy. And that I think is where intelligence gets into it, that you could start putting together a collection of apps to give Jimmy a personality, to create not command and control computing, which is what we've had now for you know decades, is you ask your computer for something, it does something, gives it back to you. But imagine now you're your computer has a personality and you start to have a relationship with the computer. You know, the, the computer or Jimmy sees that you're having a bad day and he starts making jokes or he kind of does funny things, right? That type of stuff I think I find really interesting. We're starting to see it. We're starting to see us have the ability to string that together. But I think that's really the next frontier is how can you start having a much deeper, much more enriching, funnier relationship with our technology? Well, that'll be our next episode. And thank you so much for being on today. I know that both of you guys have a very busy schedule at IDF. Thank you so much uh, for bringing the robot with you today. It's always fun to see new technology. I'll, we'd love to have you on the show again. I'll uh, end with um, just a quick question on where people can go to find out more information. Sure. Um, for our stuff, you can go to trossenrobotics.com. That's T-R-O-S-S-E-N, robotics with an S, dot com. We'll have a link on the front page that uh, leads you to other information about the robot projects. And as usual with me, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Intel Futurist. And also everything that you need for the 21st Century Robot Project, you can find at 21stCenturyRobot.com. That's 221STCenturyRobot.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, we will be back on in about 15 minutes uh, with Jonathan Donaldson. He is leading some of our data center innovation that will help bring the intelligence to these robots along with other platforms. So please stay with us today. And thanks again, guys, for being on. Thanks, Thank Allison. Visit ChipChat online at intel.com slash chipchat. And for more information on data center technologies, visit intel.com slash bigdata, intel.com slash cloud, and intel.com slash data center optimization.